Hello and welcome back to After Whistle Sports Podcast. I'm again joined by Jonathan. And I just want to start off by saying the last weekend um, was one of the best college football weekends that I've, I've seen lately. A um, ton of big teams went down. Uh, some amazing games, a bunch of overtime games. Um, Pac-12 after dark or Provo after dark mm-hmm. was as expected. A complete craziness. Um and I just want to get right into it with probably the, the two or three biggest storylines of last weekend. Number one, uh, Notre Dame losing to Marshall and Texas A&M losing to Appalachian State. Now, both these teams, I think Jonathan and I were a little bit like we, we, we didn't buy in as much as a lot of um, or yeah. what the national media had. I know for me, I thought Notre Dame – um, really didn't have the outside weapons, um, and they really just didn't have the overall talent that they usually have um, for the season. I, I thought this was going to be a rebuilding season, and um, I was really surprised to see Notre Dame ranked top five in the first AP poll, and um, I'm not as surprised that they started the season just like how they ended it last year with a, a loss in Marcus Freeman's first, first second, and third game. But. Yeah, so Marcus Freeman has still yet to win a game as the coach of Notre Dame. I do think they're going to beat Cal this week, but if they don't, that's that's trouble. Yeah. Cal Cal's worse than Marshall, by the way. Yeah, like, actually, they, they may be two and zero, but like, don't let that fool you. Like, the, that is not a good program, and like, you know, like this is a Notre Dame team that I had ranked eleven and eleven in my preseason. I was definitely lower on them than most national media wa- was, and that's basically on the fact that Brian Kelly pretty much outcoached anyone except for your premier four or five college football programs for the last six years. That and the fact that, like you said, their weapons weren't very good outside of Michael Mayer, the tight end. And like, I, I'm just not a big fan of Tyler Buckner. I wasn't last year. I actually thought they should have been playing Drew Pine from the beginning. And he's the guy we're obviously going to see for them now, but just like as a passer, like I think he gives them way, way more, than Buckner does. Yeah, I was really surprised when Notre Dame didn't go out into the portal and get a quarterback because I think there were options, and I think there were options that would fit what Tommy Reese wants to do. But for all this talk about how Tommy Reese, like I remember hearing last season how maybe uh, Sean McVay was looking at him for his future OC, um, NFL teams, maybe looking to see what he does. But his offense, and I don't know if it was the lack of talent but his offense has been uninspiring this season which I, yeah I think I, more like, he's never been a guy that i've been like a huge fan of just because like it's hard to evaluate an offensive coordinator that for the most part plays complimentary football and well no they threw the ball a ton last year they're actually one of the teams that threw the ball the most last year yeah i'm, I'm more so talking about like in years prior it was yeah. like no in like notre dame has for the last, I feel like four years, with the exception of last year, like you mentioned, been a team that will come out and they know their offensive line is way better than your defensive mm-hmm. line, except for maybe a couple teams every year. And like they're just like when Kyron Williams was was there, when Dexter Williams was was there, they those guys got the ball 20, 25 t- times a game, and their backup would get the ball five, ten times a game because Notre Dame knew that they could hand the ball off and just march on you. And like, while they didn't lean on the pass a lot, Ian book could throw the ball. Jack Cone could throw the ball. Like they've had quarterbacks that have been able to make a play when they need to. So these teams can't just sell out and stop the run. And I think this Notre Dame team, it also has a problem because Chris Tyree, I don't think is, is all that good. He's not close to what they've had at running back in the past. He's not, he's fast, but he's not very patient at all. And with, with Notre Dame's kind of scheme like that, that you need a patient running back. Yeah. And um, go back to the offensive line point. I was already skeptical of the offensive line, um, mm-hmm. even though like everything I read said that they were going to be one of the best units in college football. Um, I just remembered what they what they did last year, and th- they had a really good team last year. But I wouldn't say their offensive line was was pretty good. Um, it wasn't a top unit, I don't believe. So the fact that they couldn't run the ball on Marshall, 
um, fairly embarrassing for, for what Notre Dame usually is up front. And I'll tell you, like, I, I don't see this season getting much better for Notre Dame. Now with, yeah, with, I mean, like, with Buckner out, uh, then there was a quarterback competition. Like, this wasn't like Buckner was given the job, and so that's the guy they have to stick with. Pine had a chance, and the fact that they chose Buckner and Buckner still didn't perform um, is a little bit alarming to me. Yeah, I think if, if I had to guess, I think they still probably managed six six wins. Obviously, this is not a good This was a top team. 10 team. Marcus yeah. Freeman got a top 10 team. But I, I think over the course of two weeks, like our, our perceptions completely completely flipped. Like this is not this is not a good football team. And they showed that. My question is they why are they not a good football team? Well, there's no reason. Like I, I get it, they're not a top five team, they're not a playoff contender, but they are sure good enough to win eight or nine games this year. Yeah, I, I mean sure, like like talent wise, they're 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 good enough, but like it seems that at least with the players that they have on their on their roster, like because like you go look at a college team talent, right? And like Notre Dame's tenth, and you you think to yourself, what's wrong? And it's just like like their development clearly with with these with these classes that are on the field hasn't been as good as in past years. But like, their defense is still good. I, I, look at I, I'm kind of dancing on this year. Like the person I'm blaming is Tommy Reese. Yeah, I mean through three games. Okay, through the Oklahoma State game last year through the Ohio State game, and I know it's Ohio State, but they put up seven points, okay? Through the Marshall game, their offense has been bad. Mm-hmm. And, and they I, shouldn't be bad. And Ohio I think, State's defense, we saw, I get it, they're better, but they let Jim Knowles do whatever they want for two straight games. He's seen that defense before, and we and still saw nothing. I'm just, like, I'm just, like my po- entire point is that when you have a team with with Notre Dame's talent, a, to- a top 10 teams in t- some talent in the country that's performing this bad Two multiple things have to go wrong. And what, one of them, like you said, is play calling and scheming, which Tommy Reese is obviously doing a very poor job of, but the other is development. And, and clearly these guys haven't developed very far. But it, that's weird because just a few years ago, this team was back-to-back playoff team. Like what was the change? Marcus Freeman comes in. Mm-hmm. Like you, he like, keeps a lot of the staff. He kept a lot of the staff. Where is, like, why is the development taking a hit? Maybe it's just, like, poor, poor scouting on, on Notre Dame's part from the beginning and the, and then and then these players not, be, not being as good as they once thought they were. Like, and I'm building up to my point here that yeah, the offense under Brian Kelly was very much so Brian Kelly, and now that Tom Reese is on his own, this is what we get. Yeah, and, I mean, like, it's, like, Brian Kelly has coached two games at LSU. One of them they didn't play very well, but they still played better than Florida State. And the other they blew up. I believe it was Southern this past weekend. Like, I, I you, Brian Kelly could have done whatever he wanted in these last two weeks. And based on what Notre Dame's done, there is no doubt in my mind that everyone should be calling this guy a top five coach in the country. Like, it, it's very clear that there's no, like, Everyone kind of talks about how like there's these certain programs that are really tough academic institutions that because of the way they they're run, it's really hard to get certain players and it's just very hard to co- coach there and build the program up to be like this national championship contender like they were historically. Notre Dame is one of those programs and we're clearly seeing right now that what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame was not easy and 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 you can't just pull a coach and any coach in the country and have him go do what he did. Yeah. And let's not forget that even under Brian Kelly, Notre Dame didn't really blow out teams. No, it's very like, like there, there are many games where even looking at last year, the Florida state game, the Toledo game, there were games where they, they lost those games, but Brian Kelly was just, he's a good game manager. Uh, He knows how to win the fourth quarter and that's what they did. But for the first half of some of these games, I'm like, okay, this is pretty similar to what I've seen from the past in Notre Dame. I just assume in the second half they're going to turn it up, and that never happened. Yeah, and like, l- listen, like the, this Notre Dame team, like under him, like they, they would consistently get the most most out of their players. Like you, you look back even to like t- 2018 and 2020 in their playoff years, like in 2020 especially, like they didn't really 
play anyone close except for that Clemson game. Like they they were just the better team in every single one of those games. And part of the reason was because Brian Kelly was just like that much better than every other coach he faced. Yeah, well, that was, that was the year where they had, like, the Charmin ultra-soft schedule. They had, like, the uh... – Oh, 2018 <laughs> was miserable because they played Michigan opening weekend. And, like, they played Sta- they played Stanford, who, who ended up not being very good, who, who was really yeah. highly ranked at the time. They they won at Virginia Tech in that game on ABC. And Virginia yeah. Tech didn't end up being very good. And, like, towards the end of the season, you kind of could see it winding down because they played – USC the last week of the season and USC was not very good at all and they nearly lost. Yeah. I, I want to move on. It's it's a great it's a cool conversation because um you just some people expect that Marcus Freeman just just goes in there and wins games the same way that they've been doing so. Um yeah, but and like the teams that Notre Dame typically schedules like th- these teams are getting better. And, like the, the the schedule that everyone has called soft for the last four years like or, or so like it, it's getting harder like you, USC is, is they still play team. half their they still play half their games in the ACC they still yeah play but the, the worst power the five ACC, conference but the ACC as a conference is getting better compared to but like it, they are getting better but they're not getting better compared to Big Ten SEC no, you're Maybe you're right. Like the, the and the ACC will never be at the level of those conferences. At least not. I would argue they're not the level of the Big Twelve. Like not our so far this year. Like, but like you can't tell me like you look at like the ACC and it's like oh North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, like all these programs are having better years than they typically have. I, I don't believe the North Carolina resurgence here. I, I've watched them play multiple weeks now and. I have not been impressed. So I think I think they have a top five, top ten offense in the sport, and I, I think these like I think they're going to win win a lot of close games in the ACC because they're just going to score more than everyone else. Like they, yeah, okay, so like they're going to score more than everyone in the ACC because the ACC is not that good. But yeah, I'm. It's like like you're using the ACC like, not being good to prop up one of the few better teams. But if you put North Carolina. It, I mean, I guess I was gonna say if you if you line up North Carolina with Texas A and M, then you then if you might lose, but if if I, North Carolina North Carolina is hosting Notre Dame in two weeks, if I put a gun to your head right now and ask you who wins that game, who do you say? Notre Dame. Interesting. I don't think Notre Dame is gonna be able to score with them. You you don't think? Okay, hold up. If Notre Dame doesn't beat North Carolina, then th- th- then they have like five losses on this game because they play Clemson. I think North Carolina is a way better team than they were in. Any in not any of the years that Sam Howell was there, but certainly last year, their defense is te- is not good. I, I don't care; they're going to score whatever they want. And uh, I, we're, we'll talk about this later with our rankings. So I did peak North is, Carolina. Is, 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 does North Carolina really have a worse defense than Marshall? Well, actually, Marshall is pretty solid. They had like per, a few per, picks. Per, personnel wise, they certainly don't. Mar- Marshall Marshall wasn't that. Mar- Marshall was actually pretty solid. I was very impressed by the way their defense played. Marshall, by the way, is currently twenty the twenty sixth best team according to the AP poll. What I, I don't understand that the AP poll like, we, we could talk about that later because there's some craziness votes going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I texted you like my whole thing earlier about them, but yeah, I'll, I'll go into that the whole rant later. Okay, I want to move into. I, I just want to make sure we have enough time to talk about this game. So Alabama, Texas. Um, I was wrong. I'll admit it. Uh, I thought Alabama was going to come out there. Welcome, and, baby. Beat him very badly, and I was wrong. Um, Texas looked functional, which is – I mean, that, that's a mini win in and of itself. So uh, I'm going to take a half victory lap on this one because – Yeah, I remember you were on here saying you're, you're going to hit the Alabama in the points. Yeah, like, okay, listen, like, listen, I did bet Alabama minus 20. First of all, I had a god-awful week betting in college football, and I'm completely changing up the way I do things. Um, but – Second of all, my the concept behind Alabama minus 20 was the fact that I thought Alabama was just way better than everyone else. And clearly that's not the case. But I'll get into to more on that in a sec. Texas, on the other hand, is a team that I had in the top 10 in the preseason. And yes, they are a top, top 10 team. Now, is Hudson Card going to be as good as Quinn Ewers for the next three to four weeks? No, not, not, not a shot. But if Texas can survive with Hudson Card in it, in there until yours gets back. I have no doubt in my mind that this team could win the Big 12. Are they going to run the table in the Big 12? Absolutely not. No, te- no team wins nine co- conference games 
or 10 games, including the conference championship, unless you're a generational team. And Texas is not a generational team. But this is a very good football team. They have one of the elite quarterbacks in college football. And they were never going to be the 90th best defense in the country again. Yeah. um, I will admit I've, I've been a known enemy of Texas for a little bit. And again, it's not really I don't like Texas. It's just I need to see a team do something differently year in and year out in order for me to think that their expectations would be different. So mm-hmm. in the Big 12, Big 12 preview pod, um, I think I had them as the third or fourth team in the Big 12. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I had their under the win total. And I thought that they were tricking everyone. <laughs> they were tricking Vegas. I thought this is going to be crazy because I saw them last year. And I watched the team that was really bad and i looked i saw what they came in they got quinn yours that was a mystery to me um but i will say he played really really well and i'm now starting to buy into the hype the quinn yours hype i thought he was incredible which mm-hmm. sucks now that he's injured but they can beat anyone with quinn with quinn yours and, yeah. and I, I i fully believe that and like 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 i said they're not going to run the table because the teams just don't run the table and in, in when you have nine conference games, like that, it just doesn't happen. But I will say that just kind of switches up to the Alabama side. Like people need to chill out. Like I went on record and said, and and I know you agree with me that Alabama is like a generational team. This could be like the best team ever kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I will say a note though, that I do think Georgia is also a generational team. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think Georgia team has been on last year. Very, very clearly. Yeah. And like, but, like, the thing is, like, with this Alabama team, like, they are not the first generational team ever to play a close game. Like, 2019 LSU played a close game. They played a close game at Texas that year. That year. Like, 2018 Clemson, who I personally think is the the best team I've ever seen in college football, they played close games against bad, bad teams that year. It's college football. It happens. Like, the, the, the one of the great things about college football is, like, these are kids. Like you're going to get a different team week in and week out for the most part. And if you don't, that team's winning the national championship. I like uh, Alabama will be just fine. I don't like what they're doing offensively to an extent. Um, but I, but they will be just fine. They also are yeah. banged up at wide receiver right now, so people need to chill out about receivers dropping the balls because they're like it, that'll be fixed. I agree with the with the take about teams playing close games because listen, it, it's very hard to win games on the road no matter what. Okay, it just is. It is. Um, now, going off of kind of my analysis of Alabama, is I, I still think they're very good. I just think that there's a lot of question marks. And honestly, I think Saban's some, somewhere inside he's happy that this game is closer because he likes to light that fire under his players. He likes to kind of fix things before they lose. And so there are, there are a lot of things to fix. I've been critical of Bill O'Brien since he got there. Um, I'm still critical of Bill O'Brien. Get Scott I, Frost in there. What? Get Scott Frost in there. Sorry, we, we might have to unpack that a little bit later. <laughs> Scott Frost. Oh my God, dude. Scott Frost. Watch Scott Frost goes to Alabama, OC for one or two years, leaves and takes the whatever. Like, what job does he take? He takes. I'll um, say Florida State. I'm going to say Florida State up to Mike Norvell. No, oh, Norvell's good. I like him. Fine. Fine. You think Norvell is going to be there in three years? Um, like, what do you mean? Like, do I think he's getting fired? If, you think Norvell is going to still be the coach of Florida State in three years? If he keeps hitting on transfers like this, yeah. Okay, but they, we might have to do like a long-term wager on that. So I, I, I don't think he's going to be there in three years. I mean, like, like he hasn't had a, a winning season yet. They're a one and a half point favorite at Louisville this week on a Friday, and I'm like ninety percent sure that Louisville's winning that game. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna have a job, dude. I, I think. I mean, I like, like okay. I like Norvell too. I've I've liked Florida State recently. I just yeah. think the way they cycle through coaches, like he's gonna have the the time he needs to win, and I don't think he's gonna I, do it. I think that with Norvell and like we're getting sidetracked here, but like yeah. I think I think with Norvell, if he gets fired, it's because like his recruiting is really not up to Florida State standards. Right it's now. not though. But <laughs> he's being out recruited by Miami. He's being out recruited by everyone. But like he like like with Cristobal in there, he's never like going to out recruit Miami. Like that's like I don't think any coach Florida State hires. Is, is he going to out recruit Billy Napier? I don't Chris, think so. Cristobal went into California and was stealing USC players for years. Like 
Cristobal is going to do the same thing in Florida. Is 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 Norvell going to out recruit Billy Napier at Florida? Well, I, I if the answer is no, then he's gone. Okay, I, I I'm not entirely sure that Billy Napier fits the job description, and I said that when Florida hired him. That's not but... the question I'm asking. The question I'm asking is, will Norvell out recruit Billy Napier at Florida? Um, we may have to wait. Like, <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dodging the question right now, but just for just for the record, just so people know, Florida's currently tenth in the 2023 class. Florida State's twenty third, so yeah, and that you know that's been like, where Florida listen, State listen, got, that's, that's Florida State is. We got time until signing day, and Florida State is off to a very good start in the twenty twenty four class. But like, I mean, like lo- losing Travis Hunter to Jackson Jackson State, like really, like that was terrible. I thought he was going to get fired just because of that. I thought he was I gone mean, as soon as that happened. But like, here's the thing: like, he just he keeps year in and year out finding these transfers that like are are really talented kids. Like, like, Florida State's arguably like best pass rusher right now is a kid from Albany that nobody's heard heard of until this. I time. heard of that kid because I want Michigan to get him. A Jared, he's, he's one of the best edge rushers in the portal. Yeah, I mean he's ridiculous and like he's tearing it up at Florida. Florida State, their their defensive line that they brought in is really good, by the way. They also got this kid Tatum Bethune from, I believe, UCF, who who's good for them. And like their secondary is full is full of just talented kids. Like, he, like Florida, yeah. Florida State always recruits pretty well in their secondary. Yeah, that's gonna be Deion Sanders' job in a few years if it's not Scott Frost. I, I like listen, like the way the way it seems right now, Florida State should win like eight, seven or eight games this year. It, like like probably leading towards eight like why not though why not like they they don't win seven they don't okay eight wins that's i feel like a stretch and i like florida state i was one who told you in the offseason i thought florida state was gonna be maybe better than miami if i don't like either of those teams if they win at louisville this week you're gonna change your mind like i've gotta see it i've gotta see it i gotta see them win games on the road I'm not talking about no neutral site LSU victory. Like win a game, win a true road game, please. That wasn't that also wasn't a neutral site. I know it was in the Superdome. I get well, it. No, get no, it. no, no, no. Florida State had more fans there. Like, yeah, no, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, like win a game like, on the road. Go, go to, go, go to Winston Salem and win that game. Here's that's the, all here's I need to see. Here's the thing. I'm I'm looking at Florida State's schedule right now. They really only have two two games the rest of the year that should be gimmies, and that's. Georgia Tech at home, um, and Louisiana at home, and probably Boston College at home too. But like, so like, like the rest of their schedule is a lot. There's a lot of tough road games in there. Okay, we are we are so far off track. <laughs> it's pretty absurd. Yeah, I mean, like, I like going on tangents now. That was fun. Okay, football, let's back. let's go back. Let's talk about SEC failure. Um, mm-hmm. Appalachian State being Texas A and M. Um, Jimbo Fisher can't buy a new offense. Jimbo Fisher is paying an offensive coordinator $800,000 a year to not call any plays just to run the Jimbo stuff from 2013. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is still not a good football coach, an outstanding recruiter, still mm-hmm. not a good football coach. Right. Um, I told you Appalachian State. I was on you the other day. I said, watch out because they're going to be really physical. <laughs> I took Appalachian State in the points. I didn't know they were going to win, but, like, Appalachian State's a good team. Yeah. So so I I have a lot of thoughts about this, and not many are good. First of all, like, like you you come in with this, like, unbelievable freshman recruiting class, and, like, if they're so good, like, why aren't you playing them? Like because the, they're on the D line. The, the they're product, on the, you don't play freshman D linemen. That's why I kept telling everyone who had Texas A&M ranked that highly. The product they had last year, like sure they beat Alabama. Sure they won like eight and four, whatever it was. Like that team. That team last year was not good. That was not a good football team. They were worse than Ole Miss. They were worse than Alabama. They were worse than Arkansas. Like that was. Not a good Texas A&M football team, and then they come out this year and they bring in all these freshmen and they lose to Marvin Leal, who was their like easily best defensive player last year and just game record for them. And like people just come out and expect these like results from a freshman class that like we knew wasn't going to get on the field right away. Like I had this team ranked, I think. Let me go back and check this. I think I had them at eighteen in the preseason. Yeah, eighteen. Eighteen. They had. 
absolutely no business ever being a top 10 team. And like it, I've got to read. I've got to read something real quick. Texas A&M receiving thirteen total team receptions for ninety-seven total team yards, a seven-point-five average, no touchdowns, and a long. Okay, this is the longest passing play of that game. Nineteen-yard pass to freshman Evan Stewart. What? What are you doing? What, what are you doing? Stop! 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 Like someone's getting, someone's gotta get fired for this. Also, like I'm sorry, I know I'm like a very like not even like that's not even like a like Jimbo Fisher thing. Like they like yes, it is. Jimbo Fisher's offenses hasn't haven't been good at Texas A&M. I I agree with you, but like I'm telling you, like in 2013 and 2014, like even like the year after that when Francois was was in there for Florida State, like Florida State hit deep plays all the time. Like I watched. I was, dude. I was a Florida State fan growing up. That was my squad. Like they were, like the this team. And Jameis Winston. This team could sit. When Francois was in there, was as a freshman, they hit big play after big play. Dude, you, you watched Florida State and Jimbo Fisher beat your Michigan I team. Did. Your, I did. Florida State exclusively scored on big plays. Calvin Cook. The they, play they, action pass. Exclusively scored. Calvin on, Cook on, ran for like 180 yards that game. I, I will say that in that Michigan game, Jabril Peppers was out, and the guy guarded the guy, Jabril Peppers was the Dalvin Cook stopper in that game. And when he was out and they had to play a backup, Michigan just had no chance of stopping. First of all, don't get me started on that game because we still should have won that game. Yeah, I know. Jake Butt, mean, Jake like, was there's a whole Jake Butt towards ACL in the second quarter. Like I was there, like I saw the whole thing. But Dalvin Cook, you can't tell me. And Michigan had a very good secondary last year. They had Jordan Lewis, Shannon Stribling. They were they had NFL players there, and again, like most, if you rewatch that game, most of their deep passes were either Dalvin Cook on a linebacker. Let's see how many like see how many receptions Dalvin Cook had. They hit a big one to Nyquan Murray in the first quarter. Okay, okay, okay. But it was, um, it wasn't more than the nineteen yards. <laughs> the longest. Yes, it was. It was like ninety two. Um, but I like. Let me just like say this. Like you name like. Oh, like Jameis Winston, like Dalvin Cook, like Andem has good players. Like, I mean, they have good players, but they're young on offense. They are young. They are young. But their running back room is not very good. But you, you know who else was young? Jameis Winston was young. You, like, you know Winston who else was, was the truth. You know who else was young? DeAndre Francois was young, and DeAndre Francois. Haynes King, Haynes like, King, Jameis Winston. Tom? They shouldn't be playing him. I've been saying this for the last two days. All this talk about with Clemson that I hear about, and don't worry, this will connect. I'm not just randomly bringing up Clemson. All this talk about DJ, DJ so bad, like Clemson needs to bench him and play, play club neck. Like, why aren't we having the same conversation about Haynes King and Connor Wagner? Like, it's the same situation. Well, because I feel like people think that if you put Wegman in too soon, he's just going to do similar stuff. And then, like, now it's oh, it's the next guy. Like, Texas Animal always recruit top talent. Mm-hmm. I just think Jimbo's got to actually let his offensive coordinator call plays. They don't. They don't run any of the like random college stuff you see. They don't run the oh. read option. They don't. They don't run um, like all the double moves. They don't. They don't run their their misdirection. They have the most vanilla playing offense, and you know what vanilla playing offenses get? No they point. lose to Appalachian State. Yeah, no that's point. how. That's what happens. Appalachian State's good. They're a good team. Now, Chase Bryce, quarterback for Appalachian State, was 15 for 30 for 134 yards with a QBR of 75.9. I mean, their defense played good. Like their defense was good. It's not the problem. And like even like with Elko leaving, it was never going to be the problem. I just Texas AM is like what what do they have to do to not go eight and four? Like every year, like honestly, what, where is what the change? Is, what, are they, to start? what do they have to do to not go seven and five? Like, forget. Oh, no, 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 they'll go eight and four. It's Texas AM, okay? Dude, if I know anything, is that they'll go eight and four. They went eight and four last year and beat Alabama. Like, they're not winning. Like, this team isn't beating Bama again. They're not, but like, they can beat some of the other. T- like, I still think that the season's not lost for Texas AM. Dude, dude, I mean. In terms of what Desmond Howard thought they were going to do, it's lost. But um, Desmond Howard also had Pitt in the. He had, he that's had besides the point. But do you like? Do you think they're going to beat Miami this weekend? I don't. I, I think they're going to beat Miami. I don't. I, I don't Miami, think Miami's good. I really don't think Miami's that good. Better coaching staff, better quarterback. But like Miami had similar offensive struggles against bad teams that Texas A&M has had. 
And I like Texas A&M's defense better than Miami's defense. I'm telling you, Miami has a better quarterback and they have a better coaching staff. Like but you watched them play last game, right? Where they well, scored ten points. Miami, ha- Miami yeah. has a way better defense than than Appalachian State does. Like, what, what, what makes what makes you think like Apple? Like, what makes you think A&M's just going to go come out here and score the ball? First of all, time? first of all, first of all, A&M's at home. Okay, which they were at home against like Appalachian State. That's got. Okay, but the App State game is like I don't see him doing this two games in a row. Okay, okay, that's fine. And, very, and very, some very can important. argue that in terms of physicality, Appalachian State brings that extra level that like Miami is going to be physical, but it's not Cristobal's guys. Like these are still Manny Diaz's guys, and we've seen Manny that's Diaz's true. guys against physical teams. That's true. So I mean, we could talk about that game a little bit later in the week. I don't want to give up too much, but. Yeah, obviously, like my stance, and when we talk about um, what our rankings were, like I, I don't believe in Miami as much, but we can talk about that a little bit later. Where um, right now, uh, eighteen, yeah, five spots lower than I do. Yeah, and again, like I wasn't sure where to even put them. Um, let's talk um, about Baylor BYU because we were split on this game. I believe you had BYU winning, I had Baylor winning. Yeah, and it seems like we're both right because I wanted to double overtime. So, yeah. I mean, like. I moved Baylor up. I moved BYU up. I thought both played pretty well. Yeah, I thought I, – I, I was fairly like fairly impressed with Baylor, honestly. Um, I thought BYU really punched him in the mouth a little bit in the third quarter Yeah, uh, out of halftime, and then Baylor kind of responded. Um, one thing I want to note is, like, I, I was watching this game, and every year it's like Baylor's got these crazy physical running backs, like – they have the one guy who's like a speedy guy. They got like, I think it's like, uh, uh, yeah, and like let's let's not forget that like this is a team that lost not one but two running backs to the NFL last year. Yeah, but like they got they got the speedy guy. They, they nicknamed him Squirrel. He's just like a little little scat back. And they got the big boy. Uh, that's Craig Williams. Like, yeah, Tay McWilliams, I think. Yeah, and and the difference between them is like comical. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's good like to have two running backs that play completely, com- like, completely different styles of football. They're both they're both really good. I, I was I was really impressed with the rushing attack. Now BYU, um, Jaron Hall didn't have his best game, and like, no, he was he was fine. Again, Baylor Baylor's defense was fairly solid. Um, I, I, I was really impressed. Sorry, I have one more thing. I was really impressed yeah, with no, Chase you're good, Roberts. My uh, Chase Roberts, BYU, eight receptions, 122 yards, a touchdown. He was really the guy who was um, opening up the fields for everyone else. So very impressed there. And then ultimately, BYU's defense was very solid. So yeah, was all good game. I, I thought BYU came out really conservative, and I thought that was or not. I thought their offense came out really conservative, and I think that was in large part just due to the fact that they were out their top two wide receivers and they wanted to win that game just really low scoring because they didn't want to make mistakes. And then in the second half, they kind of realized like, we're going to have to score to beat the, these guys. Like Baylor starting to get a little push on us and they made the, the adjustment. Jaron Hall started playing better and they, you know, it was a double overtime game. Like the, those two teams like were evenly matched. Like, mm-hmm. like this is like one of the things I hate about like how we rank teams in college football. Baylor moved down six spots in the AP poll this week. Like, for what? Like, they, they played a double overtime game against a team they were clearly even with. Like, so B, BYU moves up. Oh, God, what was it? Like, a bunch of spots. Hold on. I'm pulling this up right now. Yeah, no, I, I think BYU is – BYU moves up nine spots. Baylor moves down eight. Like, what game were you watching that that's the movement on it? Like, those two plus, plus, BYU was at home. Baylor and Baylor had chances to win that game. Like they yeah. were winning that game, and then like college kickers happened, which <laughs> both kickers missed multiple easy field goals. Yeah, in the game. So I thought Baylor should have won. Um, I thought Baylor did a. I think Baylor outplayed them to be honest. Uh, but I mean BYU won. It was a crazy game. I it doesn't change the way I feel about Baylor. They're still my pick. Oh, no, they're still really they're good, and they're so. gonna win a lot of games. Like. Baylor's a team that we we've gotten to the point where they're they're just going to like they're just going to develop like this is a team that's going to come out every year. You're never going to hear about their players because they're not going to be very highly recruited. But Aranda's going to come out. He's going to develop his ta- his talent well, and they're going to come out and win eight nine games every single year. 
Yeah, I want to go talk real quick because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna hit on what happened this week with our rankings. So I feel like we should switch to do that in a little bit. Um, yeah. We'll just start. Let's just do maybe like five teams at a time and just kind of like talk about why we rank teams where they are compared to the AP poll, compared to some other rankings, and then um, what we saw this week that that helped us make that choice. So I'll go right out and say that. Um, I have Georgia at one. Um, they're the same team I had at one last week. They are the best team in college football right now. I feel fairly confident about that. Um, mm-hmm. Alabama at two. Uh, I'm not ready to move anyone up over Alabama. Um, everyone talked about how Alabama just barely beat Texas, but don't talk about how Ohio State only beat Notre Dame by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, I got at four. I just, I, there's no reason for it. I don't move teams down to move teams down. Like, I feel like if I felt the same way about them a week ago and they don't lose and they, and they show up, like, there's no reason for you to move them down. So, yeah. Clemson at four, yeah, Michigan at five. Uh, you could talk a little bit more about Michigan because you have them higher ranked. But Yeah. So, I want to touch on something real quick that you said. Um, we rank, like, another reason we don't rank college football teams very well is because for some reason, when we rank teams, we only take into account what they did the previous week. And we take where they are and we move them down or up based on what they did the previous week. So Ohio State goes out and doesn't play very well for the first three quarters against a, what now we, we're, going, we're going to call a very bad Notre Dame team. And everyone looks at it as, oh, like they they were physical in the fourth quarter and like this was this is a different identity. <laughs> real quick, I just want to make a note real quick. Can we stop conflating physicality with low scoring games? Yeah. You can just be not very good. You can yeah. just not score as many points. Like it's the same. It's the same thing that like it's the same concept with like let's stop like let's stop like confusing like high scoring games with explosiveness. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like, um, but yeah, like so Ohio State they they play not very good against the Notre Dame team that isn't very good, and we do and like granted it took us another week to find out that Notre Dame wasn't very good. Ohio State should be punished for what they did in week one as equally as what they did in week two, because considering we only have two weeks of games to go off of. So I moved them down and then and I did move Alabama down because I thought they didn't play very well. But we all we have to take into account that Alabama's performance, even though it's more fresh in our minds, so we have to think about what these t- teams have done on a larger scale. But so my top five right now is Georgia one, Alabama two, Michigan three. Ohio State four, Clemson five. I still think Clemson's a very good team, and I'm I'm with you on them. I just think there are four better teams than them right now. And I, I think, and I said this to you Saturday night, like JJ McCarthy in in at Michigan is makes them a completely different team. It opens up the offensive possibilities to a much wider scale. Like I guess I don't know if that's the right word, but JJ gives them the ability offensively to be much more creative and actually like not like have to run the ball 27 times to beat beat like an Ohio State like JJ can throw the football and, and like he's a very good playmaker so yes. like he get, he just gives them a lot more options on offense yeah i want to i want to touch a little bit about this because again i was at that game and i i do follow michigan pretty closely um jj played perfectly he was 11 for 12 like 260 yards against hawaii i get it but like he didn't miss the throws. Like, yeah, it, it, who cares who he's playing against? Those are going to be completions no matter what. Um, he was incredible. And one thing I wanted to note is that Michigan's offense, um, offensive coordinator Sharon Moore and co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss. Matt Weiss came from the Baltimore Ravens system where he was the quarterback coach for Lamar Jackson. Um, it's always looked like this this offense was going to be catered towards uh, a running a quarterback who was a threat on his legs as well. And Cade wasn't that, so you didn't see that last year. But um, you see with the way Harbaugh is trying to recruit quarterbacks, like he wants a guy who can also run. And um, JJ can do that very well. And so this offense just got a million times better because now you can't just sit back. You can't just fill running lanes. You have to account for RPOs. You have to account for uh, read options. Uh the offense is actually tough to guard now. So instead of just having really good players and a good offensive line, now you're going to have to out scheme Michigan. And 
very few teams in the past, even the best Ohio State teams that have played Michigan, they haven't been able to out-scheme Michigan. Like, that's why Michigan has been able to play them close for the most part, even when their players weren't as good. So, um, again, I've been pro-JJ. I, I appreciate Cade. It's time for him to go. Can't wait to see him in the Notre Dame uniform next year. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Notre Dame has no quarterback depth. They literally don't know who's going to start for the next year. I mean, it's not like they have a guy waiting. I'm not, no very anti, I'm not very anti-Cade. I'm not very pro-Cade either, but Cade would be Notre Dame's best quarterback this year, like, easily. Uh, he, he would be the best quarterback. No, it, like – and just like you watch JJ, it's just like so much easier for him than it has been for any Michigan quarterback. Like the shot to Donovan Edwards down the down the sideline, like no quarterback in Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan has been able to make that throw. He 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 threw one incomplete pass. You know what the incomplete pass was? It was a drop by Ronnie. Drop. Edwards. I was gonna say a drop. And listen to this. Listen to this. So McCarthy goes like ten for ten throughout the first quarter. Puts up three touchdowns, 260 yards, gets pulled for Cade, right? You want to give Cade a chance too. Mm-hmm. Um, during the two-minute drill, you want to give JJ some time working two-minute, right, at the end of the half. They put JJ back in for one series. He scores in one minute, whereas yeah. Cade was struggling big time. Um, so I know it's Hawaii, but all the quarterbacks had a chance to play. And JJ did stuff that Cade didn't do, so – well, I assume this is going to be a story we're going to be talking about more bigger games, but let's move on. Uh, my sixth ranked team, I got Oklahoma. I got USC at seven. I've got Arkansas at eight, BYU at nine, following the big win. I got Utah at 10. The only team I feel comfortable putting in this range is Oklahoma, maybe mm-hmm. Arkansas. I really don't want to put any teams here <laughs> because I, I think there is a tier gap between the top five teams, and then the rest. I would agree with that. Arkansas, I guess, has the best claim, but I'm still... who they've beaten so far. Like, Yeah, I'm still not very impressed with, with what I saw against Cincinnati. So, I don't know. USC has the potential, but they haven't done anything. And so, like, we only have a, we have a very small sample size, and we only have what they did last year. And yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, let's finish it real quick. And then I got, yeah, BYU at nine. Big win. I think, I mean, they deserve a top 10 ranking at this point, in my opinion. Uh, and then Utah at 10. I haven't changed Utah basically since the start of the season. So <laughs> they're what we thought they were. I mean, yeah. They're a good football team. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say, but like, I'll go down mine. My six through 10 is I got USC at six, Oklahoma at seven, Texas at eight, Arkansas at nine. And Utah ten, and like just the the reason I really have USC above Oklahoma right now is 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 more of like I've seen like a defining like trait in USC, and and that is basically like I don't think there are many teams on their schedule that are going to even be able to like slow them down. Like Utah will to an extent, but. Like this USC offense right now is like it, it's very Lincoln Riley Baker Mayfield esque, and I, I think Caleb Williams might be better than than any of the quarterbacks he had in terms of talent. Sorry, 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 sorry. We, we, better than Kyler. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of like arm talent, Kyler uh, Kyler's really good. We, we we can't forget how good Kyler was that year. Kyler was Kyler was fantastic. And like, I mean, he he probably does more with the, with his legs. For, for that Oklahoma team then um, I agree Williams Williams is is probably the third best quarterback in college football yeah and like and we might turn around next year and realize that he's he at this moment is like the best pure prospect of any quarterback playing college football right now but like it's kind of the same mentality that like that Lincoln Riley had at Oklahoma, like in those in those that 2017 to 2019 gap. It's just like who in the Pac-12 is scoring with them? And like I don't think anybody right now. Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone's gonna score with them. I just think that we're gonna get games where USC goes on the road. Oh, they'll lose. They'll, they'll they're, absolutely they're gonna lose. Um and it'll probably I, I still be- like, listen, I still like UCLA a lot. And I've been pretty. UCLA is a good team. Like, yeah, I was high, I was super high on them last year before they broke out. 
Yeah, Jack, Jack's been kind of on my case uh, about UCLA. Does he not think they're good? <laughs> no, he thinks they're he thinks they're really good, and okay. I I mean I I think their their roster is good enough. Chip Kelly's a whole another story, but yeah, I mean he's kind of gotten back to running what he was at Oregon, but like he just like he like simply like doesn't have like the players he did at Oregon, like especially not on defense. Yep. Let's go back to these rankings, and I feel like 11 through 15 is a really interesting range. I have Texas there. Um, again, I didn't penalize Texas for losing, uh, but I also didn't overly adjust for the close game they played. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty fair. Baylor at 12, I didn't really move them. I guess I think I moved them down a few spots from last week. Uh, I thought they played pretty well. I thought they played well enough to win on the road. I got Tennessee at 13. Um, I don't want to put this team there, but I don't want to put any team here because who I'm not going to put Penn State there, who I've ranked at 15. I'm not going to put Kentucky higher than Tennessee, ranked 14 after their win against Florida. Very interesting range here. Um, not I, I don't think any of these teams are like contenders to win their conference. So at this point, it's just ranking teams. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just who you think the best team is at this point. Like, my, my 11 through 15, and I know you disagree with my 11. I have Minnesota at, ele- at 11, 12. I, I like 12 Minnesota, Miami, yeah. 13, Miami, 14, Baylor, 15, Tennessee. So t- tell me exactly why you don't like Minnesota, because I think they have one no, of the no, best. No, 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 no. I'm okay, actually. I'll, I'll restate it. I'm okay ranking uh, Minnesota over Miami. Okay. But you, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming you don't. You're not a fan of Minnesota at 11, considering you don't have them ranked. Again, like I need to see the Big Ten West win some more games. I need to see Minnesota. They've been good. I know, like according to the like the um, analytics, they have like the number one, like the best scoring offense right now in college. I mean, they've their defense has been great, but they've also played two nobodies. They, they like, haven't played anyone. I like their team a lot, and I feel like their offensive line is. One of the like, better units. It's more I had them ranked really high in the preseason, and they've done nothing to show me that they should move move down. And that's fair, but like I didn't have them ranked highly in my preseason, so I I don't like, I I can't see a reason to move them up. They have a like, big game against Michigan State coming up in a few. Yeah, weeks. I mean they're, they're a four touchdown favorite against Colorado this this week, and then Michigan State in East Lansing week four. I think they're going to win in East Lansing in in two weeks. I think I think Michigan State is losing to Washington this week. Forget losing. I mean, they're a dog in that game. Yeah, I mean, there's a scenario where they can get blown out this weekend. But, but like, and like, just for the record, by the way, like Washington is ranked in both the FPI and the Sagarin ratings. Like, I thought about ranking them. This is I was not a bad team. Them. No, and so, I, I've liked Washington again. Yeah, I mean, like they got the Pac-12 overview. I thought they were good. I thought they were going to be a really good team. I was clowned all summer for saying Washington was going to be good. Yeah, they're, they're they're a solid football team. They're I think they're probably a legitimate five, maybe four in the in the Pac-12, depending on how you view yeah. Oregon and UCLA. But um, I just like, one more thing I wanted to say, like the Miami ranking. What is that? What is that based off of? It's based off the fact that they have a lot of talent, and I they I think their quarterback's really good. Like I, I think if you thought what I did of Tyler Van Dyke, you would you would be as high on them as I am. I'm. That might be the problem. Might be I'm just not high on Tyler Van Dyke. I th- I think that's. I've never been high on him because I've seen him get outplayed by worst quarterbacks. Like I mean, like is it so absurd to say that like the 13th best team and according to college team talent is the 13th best team in the country? Like I have them like right where they should be according to talent. It, it, it's not absurd, but like part like the college team talent is an interesting statistic to use. But I, I think you have to look at where the talent's like allocated, like in terms of in terms of like class and position. Yeah, like th- that's kind of okay. Um, and I, again, I'm not gonna pretend like I've I I know all the like talent on this team. Um, I'm just going up based off of what I've I've seen lately, um, which is that Miami's good, but they haven't shown me enough to move them up to that level yet. I, I will say that just, I mean, just looking up and down the roster. Most of their top five, four, top five and four star talent is coming in two places, and that's the defensive line and the secondary. And then, of course, you have a high four star quarterback who's you're sitting on your bench right now. Yeah, Miami. 
I need to see it. If they if they go on the road, College Station beat Texas A&M. Even with Texas A&M losing, I will. I promise you, I'll put them in my top fifteen. Like I yeah, I mean you. they're they're five and a half. They're five and a half point dogs right now this week. Like I I, I can almost promise you that like Vegas knows more about this the sport than we do. Yeah. Um. Let's keep moving on. Just keep chugging along. I've got Penn State fifteen, Oklahoma State 16, 17 got Florida. Miami comes in at 18, just because I wanted to put them ahead of Michigan State. I got Michigan State at 19, and Ole Miss at 20. These teams, to me, are going to fall out, I feel like, <laughs> at some point during the season, maybe in the next few weeks. Yeah. I could see maybe two or three of these teams completely out of my top 25. Um, I just couldn't find teams to put in that ranking spot. So, yeah. out of out of all these um, – I'm most intrigued with Ole Miss. They've been like they haven't been like they were last year, where they could score at e- at will. But I think Zach Evans is, has been really, really good. Not talked about nearly enough for how talented he is. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense is always going to be a problem, and I just trust Lane Kiffin at this point to field a good offense by like week by week basis. For me, I got 16 Kentucky, 17 LSU, 18 Florida, 19 Oklahoma State, and 20 Pitt. Uh, Pitt was unranked for me last week, but I thought they did a pretty good job, even at a loss, hanging in there against a really explosive Tennessee team, especially with a backup quarterback. So I moved them up, up and into the rankings at, at 20. And then I, I still think LSU is a team to keep keep an eye on. I The week one was, was what it was, but the talent is is really good, and I think Jaden Daniels is playing particularly well. I mean, they were up like forty-two nothing at the end of the first quarter, like uh, th- this weekend. Like, this is a team that will win a lot of lot of games and will beat SEC West teams. So I think they're going to beat Mississippi State this week. Yeah, that that'll be really interesting. Oh, talking about Mississippi State, it's much to to my dismay to report that Arizona has not lost a football game in this season. Yeah, that was that was hard. That, which means that we now still need to climb uphill in order to reach that three-win total. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, <laughs> like, like as disappointing as it was, like, they lost a game that they were ten-and-a-half-point dogs. And, and I thought they and, played pretty well. I, I think I they closed it well, but I thought they played well. They had their chances to get to come back in it and a couple of bad turnovers here and there. Yeah, but I, I was if they won that game, I was ready to, like, completely overreact and rank them in my top. Oh, five. yeah, no, they were they – were <laughs> If they won that game. <laughs> um, let's go to the rest of the rankings. They got LSU at 21 for the same reasons you listed. Florida State at 22. Good on Mike Norvell. Nice guy. I'm not going to be at that job in the next three years. <laughs> I got a pit at 23. By the, by the way, the last time I said a coach's, the coach's best quality was that he was a nice guy was uh, our basketball, our former basketball coach, Conzo Martin here at Mizzou. And well, he's a well, nice guy. How do well, you not like Mike Norvell? I mean, he, he's full of energy. Like he just like, but before it just seems like before every pregame kickoff, he's got that like look on his face <laughs> of determination and like you when, know like when when he beat LSU and he looked so like it was a mixture of like confused and excitement. Like oh my yeah, god, I mean, my like, team actually performed the way they were supposed to. They um, blocked the they blocked the extra point and like Florida State may have well have just like taken the national championship trophy and yeah. ran. Like my my favorite Mark Norvell tr- uh story was was when they lost to Boise State and he said that the reason why they lost was because they didn't have the right water. Do you remember that they weren't hydrated enough? Was that twenty? That was that was his that first was, year. That was twenty nineteen. That was that was his first game. They were up like twenty at the half, and Hank they went to Boise. Him. Yeah, and they said that the hydration wasn't good enough. That game got moved from Tallahassee to Jacksonville because it was so oh, hot. Oh yeah, or, or, or maybe I haven't flipped around. I think it got moved from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. Yeah. Oh my god! I just remember that game. They asked him like, "What were you guys preparing for?" And they're like, "We we like went to a dome and cranked up all like the like the heat in the dome, and they like tried to mimic it, and they lost that game, and that was hilarious." But, but like, like to be fair to Mike Norvell, and like we've talked about him in Florida State way too much on the show, but like to be fair to him, like what Willie Taggart did to Florida State in a year and a half can like never be replicated by any college coach, even if they tried. Scott like, Frost. Scott Frost does not have Nebraska that far back that that Willie Taggart had them. 
<laughs> Scott Frost is like 16 and like 52 at Nebraska. I don't, I, I don't care. Like what what Willie Taggart did to Florida State after what they were like before before he left. Like, like okay, he, but okay, I will he say be in it, jail for that. Again, I'm I'm not like a super Taggart hater. Um, I am. He's terrible. <laughs> but 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 but. Yeah, I don't remember that Jimbo left on his terms. Like he could, Jimbo also had a part in the destruction of Florida State football. That that is true. Because remember, he he left and cleared house in like a really bad way. But I, I'm going to say, and I just pulled this up by the way. Do you know? Do you know? Uh, do you know where Willie Taggart was before? Um, South Florida. Before no, before Florida State. He was on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Was was he at? Wait. And, and I'm gonna say he was at this school for one year. He wasn't at USC, right? No. Where was he at? I'm trying to think of like. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. He was at Oregon for one year. Oh no! no I remember that. I remember that. Oregon that year went seven and five in overall. They went four and five in conference, and Willie Taggart left before the bowl game. I remember that Willie Taggart. Also, I, also I'm going to say this. South Florida, by the way, by the way, 2016 was his last year at South Florida. They were better the next year after he left. In 2017? I don't know, man. Like, Willie Taggart, he, he, like, what, what is he doing to deserve slander like this? And I know he was a bad football coach, but he's like, does he even have a job at this point? Yeah, he's the head coach at Florida Atlantic. He, oh, he took over for Kiffin. You know who you know who his quarterback is, by the way. Who? It's Nikosi Perry, the former former Miami quarterback. Dude, we Willie Taggart. Can by we the way, Willie first, Taggart. I want to get Willie way, Taggart on the show. Can we, by can the we way, with Willie Taggart. What, what, what did Kiffin go? It, 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 didn't Kiffin have like a have like a ten win season at Florida Atlantic? Dude, they they didn't they play in like a big time bowl game. That yeah, year? dude, they went nine and three and one. They, they had Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary. Yeah, they won conference the By the way, Kiffin won 10, 10 games in that one year at Florida Atlantic. In his first two years, Lee Taggart won ten games combined. Okay, our next challenge: we got to get Willie Taggart for an interview on the show. That, that's I'll our challenge. It. I'll do it, but because he has to have a chance to defend himself. His career record is sixty-eight and seventy-four. He has to have a chance to defend himself. What is FAU doing? What is, this year? What is there to defend? He, what he what is FAU three. doing this year? They're two and one. They're one and zero. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's over five hundred. That's better I mean, than Notre Dame. I mean, he has. Let me see. He, Nebraska should hire Willie Taggart. He he had the same amount of losing seasons at South Florida that he did winning seasons. He had a rough stretch. Trivia question. Trivia question. Hold on. I'm I'm pulling this up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so Willie Taggart has been a um FBS coach, or yeah, yeah, FBS coach for twelve years now. This is his thirteenth year. Does he have more winning seasons or losing seasons than coach? Probably losing seasons because he's been really bad everywhere he's been. Four, five. Six. It's actually even. It's six and six. But I okay, will. So it's not that bad. But, but I will say that it's kind of Mickey Mouse because one of those winning seasons was the COVID year where he went five and four. Listen, I just don't like ragging on a guy who doesn't have the opportunity to like defend who himself. Is re- who is the reason Mike Norvell is going to be fired prematurely by people like you? Mike Norvell has a chance to do it. He he's at a top school. He can yeah, do whatever he wants. Okay, uh-huh. I mean, I'm giving Mike Novell a chance. So he's had, on, he's had three years. Okay, I want to pull people, this up. People forget how bad Mike Novell's been at Florida State because Florida State's been so irrelevant people due to Mike Novell. People forget how far back Willie Taggart sent sent Florida State. I, I'm I'm sorry, but like, by the way, I, I don't know how way. we can how how can you rag on Willie Taggart and not rag on Mike Novell? By the way, twenty. 18 was Willie Taggart's first year at Florida State, right? Um, yeah, no, so. dude. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 2018, Willie Taggart's first year at Florida State. You know what they were in college team talent that year? They went 5-7. and seven. This seems like a Florida State problem. 
by the way, uh, that year they were fifth. And uh, okay, but by the way, just because this is really funny to put this into context, so he got fired the next year, like three fourths of the way through the year, right? Mm-hmm. For underperforming, you know who was fourth in college team talent in 2018? Who, who, by the way, had the same record as Florida State that year? Uh, wait, repeat that real quick. The same so, record. This team in 2018 had this, was fourth in college team talent, one spot above Florida State. They finished 2018 with the same record as Florida State. Who is it? It was USC. And USC took three extra years to fire Clay Helton for the same results that Willie Taggart got. And guess what? They're both nice guys. Hey, Clay Helton beat Nebraska, man. Wait, can we talk about that real quick? We don't have that much more time. And I, I needed to, to say this for the end because – if you've listened to the podcast, you know that we've been very outspoken about Nebraska football. Anti-Nebraska I, I, do, I do care deeply about Nebraska football. Um, Anti-Nebraska I, podcast here. No, it's not. I like Nebraska. I want to see Nebraska succeed. Okay. I'm I, I know, dude. I was very pro-Nebraska at the start of this year. They should hire Tom Herman, by the way. Tom Herman never should have been fired from Texas, but that's a story for another time. That So this is my question, okay? Nebraska mm-hmm. fires Scott Frost. Pays him seven point five million dollars to leave immediately. Okay, it wasn't seven point five. They paid him the full fifteen because they fired him before October first. <laughs> first of all, how do you get fired on your off day? <laughs> like he got fired on a Sunday, right? Yeah, he's not even in work on Sunday. No, he's not practice. There's nothing going on. It's an empty day. I mean, they were sick of him. He, he had won what like sixteen five. games. Yeah, 16 <laughs> his games. whole his whole thing in in many years with a Big Ten West. Was bad. Not a top four division in football. Listen, Scott Frost was at the at Nebraska two of the years. Pat Fitzgerald won the division. So, uh, who is your pick for the next Nebraska head coach? Are you asking like who is my pick if I was the AD? Give me, give me the pick if you were the AD, and then give me the realistic choice. If I'm if I'm the AD, I mean. How is Urban Meyer not your first call? But like, but like, that's not realistic. So like, that's obviously not my pick. I've said since the beginning of the season, or actually since the Northwestern game, that the realistic option should be Mark Stoops. Like, Kentucky is not a historically good program. They're regionally in the same lo- location that Kentucky is, and Mark Stoops could come to Nebraska, run the same same style he's running at Kentucky, and win football games. Plus, Kentucky's been very good recruiting the last last couple years, and like I just think like Stoops fits a, fits that profile. Yeah, I like Stoops. Um, do you think Stoops would leave Kentucky to go to Nebraska? Um, I don't see why not. Like I I can't imagine. Well, I can make some reasons why he wouldn't. I, I can't can't see any reason that Nebraska. Like, listen, like if I'm being perfectly honest, and I'm not sure what Kentucky's going to do this year. I think having him. At, at nine is way too high. I have them at 16. I think they're a good football program. I think they're a good team right now. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I think he's gotten every single ounce out of them that he could, that he could have. And I uh, think again, though, like how attractive is the Nebraska job? I think very. Well, I I mean the pros and cons list is it's very attractive because you can be pretty bad for five years and still like be paid. Which yeah, is I mean, they, give, they give you a lot of time, but like, I mean, um, but again, like you're in, like your ceiling is the third best team in the Big Ten. Why and is that their ceiling? Because they're not going to be better than Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be better than the combo of Penn State and Michigan. Why can't they be? Because they're in Nebraska, which no hate to Nebraska, but if you look on the twenty four seven recruiting rankings, the state of Nebraska is not like. A hub for talent that it once was. Let's not pretend like Pennsylvania and like Michigan are. Pennsylvania like, is. Pennsylvania it's okay. is. It's okay. Yes. It's like, no, 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 like no. outside of the South, Pennsylvania is like one of the best states for talent in college football. Interesting. I would have to. That, that's not. That's not an over. Look. Look at where NFL players have come from. Okay, Pennsylvania has like. Wait, they listen. They have way more talent than Illinois has. They have way more talent than a lot of the other Midwestern states. I mean, yeah, like that's true, but like over like they have more they have more talent than Michigan has. I, I think Pennsylvania I think, is where the talent I think is. Nebra- I think Nebraska as a brand is just as attractive as Penn State. Not maybe not in not Michigan, but like I think them and Penn State as brands are on similar levels. 
I would agree. First of all, I don't believe in the Penn State brand. So I'm I'm yeah. done believing in James Franklin. I by the way, like the like the analytical polls have them like Penn State like very high, like in both. Like they're 10 in the Sagarin ratings and 13 yeah. in the FBI. I refuse to to rank them. I think they're gonna lose to Auburn this week. Yeah, we might have to talk about Penn State off the pod because we're running out a little bit of time here, but um, I'll, I'll I'll call you. Okay, okay. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my um my selection. If, if I was the AD of Nebraska, mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting Matt Rule. Um, he's won yeah. a, a school with Baylor had a, a ton of institutional issues, and that's not like a that's not meant to be like negative. It's just Nebraska and Baylor are some of those jobs where it's like at this point in college football, it's harder to win there. Um, I think Matt Rule is, is I think Nebraska needs a guy who's going to actually be a good coach. So yeah, I, like I first of all, I'm just a, for the record, I am a huge Matt Rule fan. I was. Huge on him when he was getting the NFL offers. I was higher on that 2019 Baylor team in the preseason than anybody could possibly be. I had him in 11 and one in winning the Big Big 12 that year. Um, but I will say that the problem with Nebraska hiring Matt Rule is you're running into a similar issue with than what you had with Scott Frost when you hired him with the fact that at their previous college program they both only had one winning season. Like I know, but Scott, Scott Frost won a national championship. That's true. He did win a national championship. But, the, but the, the, that's that's ever reason against Matt Rule. Matt Rule doesn't have a national championship. I'm I'm not sure this Carolina Panthers team would win the national championship. You got to take that back. That I'm kidding, point. obviously. Like the, the, Matt, the, Matt Rule's way – okay, Matt Rule's a better coach than Scott Frost. I, I would agree with you. but I, And also, just for the record, like I didn't meet – I obviously was joking by that. The myth that a college team that could be an NFL team is just very stupid. Yeah, unless you're like the Browns team that won like one game that year. No, even even that team, like no college team was ever beating that team. Okay, I think that's got to wrap it up. Awesome episode today. Had a ton of fun. Um, we're going to do one, of course, at the end of the week to help you all with all your bets before the big weekend of games. Thanks for listening and see you all later.